Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill. All right, we're back in our normal spot this week for the death lineup. And this is a good time because the in-season tournament, the first game, the the East just finished not too long ago, and Indiana is on a little bit of a heater. They beat the Bucks to go to the finals. They're either going to play the Lakers or the Pelicans. And I know the NBA, ESPN. Who actually has the finals? Is it ESPN? gotta be right because espn had uh game one and i think tnt has game two tonight yes so. but it's like a joint broadcast no isn't reggie jackson oh, are, are they do, are they do, are they doing on both networks i, I have so, no idea I, I think it was i didn't even know the game was already on this afternoon i figured it that was, was gonna be a normal five and and seven thirty oh, remember what we talked about last week with the abc game guess what the first abc game is the championship oh it is so it is abc there you go yeah espn so um i mean we were just like okay so yeah for that joint i mean i i cannot believe they scheduled this thing at a 2 p.m pacific time start for and then then this game isn't even until six so you have like this hour and a half kind (laughs) of break which i guess makes sense since the both games are in the same arena so you yeah. have to filter out the fans. They have different tickets. That sucks. Um, How come you can't just buy one ticket to get into both games? Yeah, I know. But I mean, I mean, I think it makes sense from like a home court perspective of like trying to shuffle out the Pacers fans so we can get the Lakers fans in. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's such a weird start time for such an important game. And for like, a like you know, I think Halliburton's kind of weirdly be like, I don't think he was supposed to be like the poster boy trajectory. I think that was supposed to be like Anthony Edwards, you know, Jason Tatum, Luka Doncic. I think he's kind of coming out of nowhere and stealing that from them. I think it's cool. And I think it's awesome. And I think people are relating to it, buying into it, kind of like a similar Steph Curry rise, but like different, totally different. But that's kind of how it feels like. Steph wasn't supposed to be that. That's now why he, I think it's he cool. Because mm-hmm. all of the stars in the league are these giant dudes, except for Steph. Athletic. Like, yeah. You know, it's it's LeBron and KD you know, 10 years ago. And now it's Ant Edwards who, I mean, he's not six, nine, but he's like built like a football player, like a linebacker. Yeah. Luca, you know, Luca's also a big dude. Uh, you know, they, you know, Zion, Giannis, obviously. Giannis is a giant human. So you have this like little wiry guard and it's really cool. He's not even that little, but he, he kind of does, you know, he plays what is small. He like? he, is he six, three, six, four. I'd guess six, five. Okay, so I think he's, he's I think he's a little bigger, yeah. But I mean, you know, he's not really athletic whatsoever. It's very, it's just a very fun player to watch. You know, with the pace, I've kind of compared them to like an extreme version of last year's Sacramento Kings. They have a better last year's Sacramento Kings had the best offensive rating of all time. So super cool feat, right? No, it's not. It's because it happens every single year. The Indiana yeah. Pacers now are the greatest offensive rating of all time if they keep it up by like a wide margin. 
And then they have like the 28th defense in the league. <laughs> so. Well, and, and the other thing about it is no matter who they play in this finals, whether it's the Pelicans or the Lakers, they're so they're, they're smaller and they essentially give up defense for the offense. So it's going to, they're going to try and make the game up and down, but the, you know what the Lakers are going to do? Lakers are going to, LeBron's going to gonna oh, walk the ball up every time if, if he's cons- there at the finals. Conspiracy Bill is here. He's already saying that the NBA would never allow the New Orleans Pelicans versus the Indiana Pacers <laughs> in their championship game for their inaugural in-season tournament. It has to be their new up-and-coming poster boy, you know, defeats the old guard and, and takes down the their former face of the league. Is that, did, did he put, did Conspiracy Bill post that? I don't think so, but you just or, automatically. Or you, just, are you, you thinking? Just thinking you just that, assumed. That you said that. Yeah. Well, okay. So, I but either, so either team, right? Either team, because the Pelicans are are also on the bigger end. You know, their their best two players are you know Zion, and then and then you know Brandon Ingram, and then they have actual true center on their team. So, whatever it is, Indiana's going to try to get up and down, and those teams are probably going to try to slow them down just by making the game a little bit slower, and. We'll see because the Warriors went through this in their rise in 2014, which is, you know, Chuck would always say you can't you can't win with outside shooting and you can't win with the pace because in the playoffs, the game slows down. Slows down. The Warriors proved four times that they could also play that style. So that's kind of the next step for Indiana. And, you know, you had a great quote when we first started talking about this tournament because I wasn't really into it. And then, especially when the Warriors got eliminated, I was like, oh, man, this is not cool. But you made a quote, or you you mentioned a quote by Halliburton where he said something to the effect of, I'm excited for this because I haven't won anything yet. Like, this could be something. And this is a nice little stepping stone for them. And it's been really, really fun to watch them play in these uh, these big games. I mean, you beat Boston, and now you beat Milwaukee on the way to the championship. That's real stuff right there. Totally. Do you think it delegitimizes the tournament if you have these two small market teams who kind of don't really have championship? Uh, like they're not going to win the championship. I think we can confidently say, and I hope this doesn't come back to bite me, but I think we can confidently say that, say, the New Orleans Pelicans and the Indiana, Indiana Pacers are the championship round. Neither of those teams are going to make the finals, in my opinion. And I love both teams. I'm, I'm a big advocate for both teams. Do you think that delegitimizes this tournament at all? Because I know I remember mentioning last week that it's like I kind of preferred that the small market team thing, because, you know, this is like a tournament that they could win. It's in the beginning of the season, you know, towards the end of the season, when you have more of this stuff figured out, but in the beginning of the season, you can catch someone by surprise or I don't know. What do you think about that? Okay. So the, the comparison with the warriors is not the best. Cause you, if you think of that 2015 warriors team, they won like 67 games or whatever it was. And the Pacers are not They're They're, they're basically tied for fifth currently after the the 20 games or, or whatever in in the eastern conference so it's not like they're blowing you know some of these really good teams out and surprising everybody like i remember that one game where the warriors they just like boat raced the clippers on national television it was like they're coming out party and like draymond just punking blake griffin like they they don't have that but this could be a nice thing to kind of put the magnifying glass on them and to for the the national fan base to go, oh, this team might be for real because without this tournament, they would have to do it sort of by upsetting teams in the playoffs. And so now 
now the eye you can have your eye on the Pacers and go, okay, these guys are real. We we need to keep our eye on them, you know, as a possible tournament, you know, as a possible NBA uh, Eastern Conference uh, player in, in that race. So that's I think I think it's actually good. Now, uh, I think the Pelicans are also you know they're also a pretty good basketball team, but they're you know they're similar twelve and eight, and Pelicans are twelve and ten. Uh, so it's not like if they both had like kick butt regular seasons so far where they were out in front, I think it'd even be more so, but this is a good way to get so, the magnifying glass on both teams. The, I, I would say your point, the delegitimizing the tournament is the nuggets not being in it because mm. like, I think most people still think they're the, they're the leading contender for the, for the championship, but they didn't even make the the knockout round, so you know it's almost like, yeah, is this is this real? You know, if if Jokic and and company are not in this thing, is this really a, a good test for these teams? It, and it, in some instances, I, I sort of understand it and agree with it. But you did get to see the Kings, you did get to see uh, the Pelicans now, and then you know the, the Laker the Lakers won that game against the Suns. I think they they probably win even without that bogus timeout call just because they were winning the game. But that was another, you know, that was another nice, that felt like a heavyweight fight. And you know, you know what it also showed me? Believe me, we're going to talk warriors here in a second. It also showed me that I'm not quite sure this, uh, Devin Booker point guard situation is going to fly. Yeah. He's got the ball in his hands so much. And the length on some of these teams like the Lakers seems to bother him a lot. And he wants to get into his action. He wants to go to the hole. He doesn't want to have to remember to get everyone else going. Like it was almost like Nurkic uh, played that point center role where they would throw it to the post. Then he would make the decision Uh, that, that kind of worked out for them, but I'm not so sure if Devin Booker is point guard and, you know, Bradley, imagine if they had like a Draymond green. They'd be awesome. They, they could use somebody like that. He would actually be perfect yeah. for what they need to do. Yeah. Uh, All right. But I was. Do... I remember watching. I remember watching that first game against the Warriors and being like, "Okay, I think are we ready to say that Devin Booker's the best player on this Suns team?" And I think watching that Lakers game with him deferring with like a minute left, and not that you know it's a bad thing to defer, but it was like I legitimately can't make anything. And I actually just did an action and got nowhere. So KD, please take the ball quick and do something. And he just made it easily. So I think I think KD still claims his title as one of the best players in the league and better than D Book still. Yeah, Davis ha- has the same point that we made last year. Is that I I wish they would have split it up and made it uh, East versus West in the semifinals, so that you could get a West versus West in the finals or an East versus East in the finals. I think that would have been. Yeah a lot better because it feels too much like what they, what you do at the end of the season. So yeah, it's a good, that's a really good point. Okay. We're going to talk about the warriors now. Uh, I wanted to start this and, and maybe we'll, we'll continue this as, as a way to sort of measure where we are at with this team. Because if, if, if folks remember when we started this podcast and I looked at the number one, this is the 78th show that we've done. So that is, that is a good number right there. Um, the we started it in the playoff run of uh, 2022 and luckily they caught fire and won the title and so we were able to talk about all of those games and then last year they had a 
solid season, maybe a little bit under expectation, but still, you know, they upset the Kings and, and, and they went into second round of playoffs. So this is really the first time since we've been doing this podcast where there's a little bit of question mark about what they're doing and about where they are. I know that they've had a, a pretty hard schedule so far, so hopefully they could pick up some easies. But uh, if you're basing it on last night's game, there was one for the pickings and they had to fight tooth and nail to get that one. So where are you? If you were to say, let's go temperature gauge, let's say uh, between one and 10, where 10 is like, you are so excited and confident that this team is awesome. And one is like, you know, if you were a football fan and you were a new England Patriots fan, that's a one. Where are you with that? Um, I think I am at a four. I think they had a long rest from Saturday was the Clippers game. Slater said on the pod that they got Sunday and Monday off, and then they had a hard practice on Tuesday and then the Wednesday game against an easy team in the Blazers. Sure, they they a super athletic defensive team, whatever. They're one of the worst teams in the league by record. <laughs> I think you would hope by having an older team, giving them those days off, not that you were hoping to boat race the Portland Trailblazers, but you were hoping to not gut one out and need, you know, Jonathan Kaminga to save you in order yeah. to win that game. So yeah. I think I'm at a four. And the reason I'm not lower is because I still feel like there are adjustments that can be made within the lineup to make them a little more serviceable. They don't look like contenders. I think you need that secondary shot creator, which we've been talking about since that Nuggets pod after the Nuggets game. We're like, we need, you need someone who, can get a bucket um at, if, you know, if like cp3 could score he'd be perfect but he doesn't really score very much but he, he needs to be in the starting that guy needs to be in the starting lineup though i think that secondary score needs to be in the starting lineup and i watched you know i was watching the, the trailblazers game today and i watched you know like three straight possessions of clay thompson miss three miss three miss oh wide open layup like it's just he's just not finding it right now and not to call for his benching but there are these young guys who look to be playing well in their minutes. And really all three of them, I think, are pluses on the season. And Moses Moody, Pajemski, and Kaminga. So um I don't I don't know. I, th I think I think the starting lineup is where you make those adjustments in order to try to maximize the right now. Like I think, you know, doing the trust in the vets thing that might pay off down the line, but like what if you're too far in the hole down the line? Um, so yeah, I mean, I think I think. I think Moody's got to start. Um, and I think you got to try a lineup with Steph, Moody, Wiggs, Kaminga, and Dre just for like throwing our version of the athletic mm -hmm. long wing can still run up and down the court type of lineup out there. Mm -hmm. I think that'd be a fun one. Yeah, I, I would love to have uh, seen that lineup last night, especially because what you were talking about, which is the Trailblazers they basically ran out a version of what Oklahoma City runs out, which is, uh, you know, no real true center, lots of long wings who can run, who can shoot. And all they do is just they just switch, switch, switch on defense. And so for the Warriors, they don't really have a post player who could take advantage of that. Nurkic tried very hard and he kept trying to take these dudes off the dribble and just getting stripped and. You mean, uh, you mean, you mean, uh, uh, yeah. uh, and he, you know, that, that was, 
there was nothing that those guys could do uh, to take advantage of that. There was a couple times where Loon had like a guard on and he was like trying to post up and get the ball. But the problem is, is he gets the ball. And by the time he's able to do his move, the defense just collapses on him. And they all like, they just like triple team him in the post and he's got to throw some garbage up. So they weren't able to take, take advantage of that. But like you just said, if you put five of your most athletic guys on the floor and you, and you could Four literally, well, I mean, Steph is athletic in, in, in a, maybe in a different way, but I mean, you saw, you see the shots that he's able to get off against those guys. Like that is, that is athletic talent. Uh, but even you could even put clay in instead of Moody and still get away with it because clay is also long on it on his own. He's also tall. He's going to be able to get shots up over smaller guys. But the, the key is that uh, with Kuminga, he can put pressure on the rim and, those the smaller guys, you know, as you saw him get up in the air, he was uh he he, he I thought he was gonna like jump over the backboard he got up so high on, on one of those lobs. So yeah, that that would be that would have been the, the lineup that I thought that they would have gone to. So just to reset here, I'm watching the game and at, they're at halftime, and I realize that Kaminga has not shown up in the game yet. And I'm just kind of wondering, like, what happened? Like, I don't remember them announcing an injury. And a lot of times I'm fast forwarding through the talk, especially if I'm watching late, because I, you can get through a game much quicker. And I'm like, maybe I missed something about Kaminga, maybe spraining his foot or something. And that's why he's not playing. And then lo and behold, you know, they're starting, the game's starting to get away from that. I think they were down 11. And with four minutes and some change left, they bring in Kaminga. And immediately his athleticism and I mean, he was actually, he was playing really hard too. So he's, when he wants to run, he can run. And those guys had played a lot of minutes on the other side. So he had fresh legs and he just absolute difference maker from the beginning. And I wanted to ask you this question, which is what in the hell was Kerr thinking with his rotation? Because from what we learned, Kaminga was the 10th man in the rotation. He bumped B-Pods ahead of Kaminga. Obviously, Moody was ahead of Kaminga, and CP being back was ahead of Kaminga, and Wiggins is back in the starting lineup. So he had Kaminga as his 10th man in a game in which the other team had four or five Kamingas on their team when it comes to athletic talent. And I was just going like, why would you possibly go even smaller and older against these guys because the the trailblazers just running up and down the court, Shaden Sharp just bombing threes. I'm watching uh Simons just like he's just cooking everybody. And I just was like, what what did what did Kaminga do? And it made me it reminded me of last year's playoffs where we what we realized is Kerr's excuse for not playing him in the Lakers series, which was similar in that the Lakers are so long and tall and athletic. Uh, and you were thinking, why isn't Kaminga playing? I've ha- I had the same thought, and he finally comes in, and he he's the reason they won the game. And after Kerr's saying, "Yeah, we got to find a way. Maybe we don't have a solid starting line." And and, and my my only thing, and, and here here I'll get to the question, which is, what is he adjusting for? Do you think as the reason 
to make Jonathan Kaminga the tenth guy. What is his reasoning in his in his brain in his mind as he's trying to put this thing together? Uh, why is Jonathan? How could Jonathan Kaminga possibly be the tenth man on in this roster? Um, it seems it seems like the most Steve Kerr reasoning is that the ten people or nine people ahead of him make the least amount of boneheaded mistakes. I guess, like in comparison, um, like he could trust them. The they're you know, Moody and, and Pajemski have both already showed that they play above their years. That's like the only thing I could think of because I feel like that's kind of what I've been uh, parading for Kerr for like, you know, these past, since we've been doing the podcast and I have to continue to be, you know, explained that he just goes with the guys he trusts at the end of the day. And, you know, Kaminga has been pretty spotty this year. What, he's shooting 25% from three has a good game every three games in terms of scoring, you know, had that first Clippers game that he played really well. Second Clippers game didn't play well at all. And then here we are again, he plays well. So um, that's the only thing that's genuinely the only thing I could think of is that he thinks that all the guys ahead of him are the least likely to be in the wrong spot, commit a turnover foul at the wrong time. That, I don't think it's valid. I don't think it's valid because this stuff hasn't been working. You, you, I think, I think he's in a position where he needs to like, kind of like try stuff. He can't be too complacent with how his system's been working. I do think, I think we're at a point where he needs to like, you know, those those allegations against him, where it's like, hey, Steve, you know, you were able to inherit a cha- inherit a championship team. We don't believe any of your rings are valid. Like, hey, buddy, I think it's time to. I think it's time to prove why they're all wrong, but. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. Wilson, you sent the game-winning email at the buzzer, avoiding a 4.55 meeting on everyone's calendar. How did you do it? I got a huge assist from Grammarly, an AI writing partner that helped me make my point. And it works everywhere I write. Summarizing a doc only took one click. When everyone uses Grammarly, everything just makes sense. Go to Grammarly.com slash podcast to download it for free. That's Grammarly.com slash podcast. Easier said, done. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Well, okay, so so here here is my thought about what you just said, and this is what I was thinking about today as we were putting the show notes together. This is probably his hardest job that he's ever had to do as a head coach. And some may go back to 2020 and go, what about that year? Well, no, that year was, I'm sure it was frustrating, but they just didn't have the talent. They, they were missing so many guys. Zero aspirations. And and eventually they just went into tank mode, right? And that, that was the, the goal. This is harder because what he's dealing with 
are the end or nearing the end, the post-prime career of people that he loves and respects. And one of those people is Clay Thompson, who everybody roots for. And I go back to this Tim Kawakami question and Clay's reaction, which was, oh, so you, you want Steve to bench me? And that wasn't actually Tim's question, though. I, I definitely understand why Clay, if Clay's in, you know, feeling it a little bit, why he would answer that way. He was frustrated. But the mere fact that he says, oh, you want Steve to bench me, that almost said to Steve Kerr, you better not bench me because if you bench me, then you're listening to the media. And I was I, I was just like, wow, that what you know, what a statement there. And it's it's almost like Kerr's hands are tied with Clay right now. Now, I know some of this is he believes in Clay. He thinks Clay is going to hit the next shot, even if he misses the first nine, which he did yesterday all nearly. Uh, but it's not only Clay. How much rope do you give Andrew Wiggins? Andrew Wiggins is, you know, very close to being on Shaq and the Fool almost every game these days. He's doing these. You know, he's grabbing the ball and he's swooping in and he's losing it and throwing it way up in the air and into the crowd and kicking it and can't continue his dribble, losing the ball. I'm just like, it's almost like, you know, um, in the original Space Jam, when all the, the all-stars lose all their powers and like Charles Barkley can't dribble anymore and Muggsy Bogues is like tripping over. That's like what, it, what Wiggins looks like on the break sometimes. And then other times they throw it to him and it's like, picturesque finger roll athletic Wiggins that like we know, but it, both of those guys are not playing well. And you continue to play that play them in lineups with Steph and they bring down the starting lineup. And at some point, I think you just have to have a much quicker trigger on removing them for the game and putting Moses Moody in, putting CP three and putting Jonathan Kaminga in uh, when, when you know, he he doesn't have his pacifier right now. You know, Steve Kerr's pacifier is GP because if the team starts slow, GP has the ability to make something happen defensively that could start a fast break. But there's no GP right now. It sounds like he's going to be out for at least uh, well, he he's going to they're, they're not going to look at him again for another week. So that's, you know, we're talking a couple of weeks probably before they even talk about him playing again. So. Uh, he's got his hand. Steve Kerr, this is his toughest job. He's got the pressure of Steph Curry at the end of his prime, still able to bring it every night. Draymond still good enough. I think he's still, I think he's still good enough. I think the thing with Draymond is that it's like the offense needs to be like good enough. So Draymond's offense sometimes goes unnoticed. Like I think Draymond's been playing, has lately played as well as he usually does in these past couple of years. But I think when he's not bringing anything offensively, that's even that's it's way more heightened when no one else is bringing anything offensively. Yes. Yes. Uh, and so I, I think he's going to have to make adjustments sooner than later. You're, you're 20, you're one fourth of the season done just about They're nine. And I think they're nine and 10. Is that, is that their record right now? Let me let me look that up just to just to double check. I think they are nine and ten. Uh, no, they're ten and eleven. Sorry, ten and eleven. So you're under five hundred. Um, I think you know you're still another twenty games before some of those teams start to separate. But 
the Timberwolves starting 16 and four, they're going to, they're going to be in the playoffs unless they completely fall over. Um, Which, the Mavericks 12 and eight, they're, uh-huh. they're going to be in the playoffs. They, they, they're not going to miss. Um, and then, you know, so it's going to be the Clippers and the Rockets, you know, the Rockets, maybe they fall off, but the Warriors, the, the Clippers, the Pelicans, you know, the Suns, the Kings, they're all going to be jumbled up again. And, you know, the Warriors don't want to be in the, in the, the race for the, uh, for the eighth spot. Like that's not a fun place to be for those vets. They want to be in the top six again, like they were last year. So they, they got some work to do to get there. And I think they're going to have to start figuring this thing out maybe before Kerr even probably wants to just because of how close this uh, this West might be. And I think if you look at the schedule right now of what the games we have to come, I don't think you can write in any like guaranteed W except for maybe two. We have, I mean, especially after they gave up that Clippers game, which was money in the bank. That game mm-hmm. was money, so money in the bank. And they still gave that game up, which was crazy. I feel like we feel a lot better if they don't give that game up. Yes, 100%. So they have OKC, which they've already beaten us two out of three times this year. This will be the fourth time playing them. They have Phoenix. Phoenix has beaten us both times. The Clippers series split one and one. Brooklyn, we haven't beat them once, but they kind of profile as that young athletic team that tends to give this team trouble. Yep. They got Portland again. Then we get Boston. Um, I think that Boston game will be really interesting to see, like if it's close. And I think I think it will be, but just like the Warriors play Boston really well. Yeah, I, th- I think that'll be like a good kind of reminder of like, hey, they can still really get up if they really try to, which is kind of annoying. But then you have Washington, which I think is one of the ones you could probably write in a guaranteed W. Yeah, and- we thought that last year, and when we went to see Detroit too, and that did not happen. <laughs> yeah. That W did not happen. So. Because we're yeah. we're trying to go to that Washington game. We want to see some yeah. JP. Then you get Portland, Denver, Miami, Dallas, Orlando. Like it doesn't really get easy. Like it's not a lot of teams are the same at the same level. And so yeah. it's like everybody's, you know, it feels like it feels like in the NBA right now, everybody's like 12 and 10. Like that's just everybody's record is 12 and 10. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So I had I had some other thoughts. Um if you you already said that you think Moody should start over Clay. I'm not sure if I'm there yet, though. It does look like Clay is the first guy out these days. Like he's like he was okay. So out I actually I pulled this half. up. I pulled this to look. So in the first quarter, Clay was the first one to sub out at the seven minute mark. I think it was like seven forty. I just lost. So he's him playing five play. minutes. It's like five minutes, and then he he goes to the bench. Yeah, and then Looney was the next one to sub out, and that was at the five-minute mark, so another whole two minutes before someone else got subbed out. Uh, Clay didn't look too excited to get subbed out at the seven. No, mark. he didn't, <laughs> and that's part of it for Kerr, right? Is he doesn't want to lose that guy. Yeah, yeah. Clay's damn. a champion. He he can't. You can't lose Clay. I mean, what do you? Okay, what is your like? recipe to fix it you still ride with the vets you still hope that you know something gets going wiggins you know before he slammed his hand in the car door was starting to look like he was taking a turn for the better like clay had a few good games before wiggins went out too so and then he's just kind of back on the dumpster fire like what do you what is your what is your recipe here um so i think a couple of things um i think we need to see more draymond at center 
Now that is a lot of weight on Draymond's back, right? For him to, and and I'm talking starting important games, like for them to get out to a good lead because they don't have Draymond and Looney playing together. And and look, if Looney was, you know, if if this was Sacramento Kings playoffs, Looney, then you have a different story, but that is not who he is right now. He played well last night, I think. Uh, I'm looking at his box here. So he had eight rebounds. Draymond had 10. You mm-hmm. know, Draymond almost had a triple-double. He was one assist short from a triple-double. Uh, but but See, Looney, yeah, he played well. Looney was two of six shooting in in 16 minutes, uh, eight rebounds, uh, and a minus seven in, in his 16 minutes. Mm-hmm. Just a not not a good matchup for him, though. You know, you know, the good matchups for him are like when the other team actually plays a real center because they're also going to have somebody, you know, on, on the slower side that, uh, and, and he's going to need it for rebounding. But these teams like Oklahoma city where they don't really even play a five, that's almost, almost, you know, it's almost impossible for Looney to play in those games. So I would, I would play um, Draymond and Kaminga together. And I think last night showed that Draymond you know, we we kept thinking that CP was going to be the guy to unlock Kaminga, but if you notice, a lot of what what they do when CP has the ball is he dribble, dribble, dribbles, and then he ends up trying to find JK on like a post up, and then it's up to JK to do some like one on one move, and you're, then you're talking about the decision making, right? That that sometimes gets him in in trouble. Draymond is looking for this dude just to cut constantly. And I would pair them up together and I would, uh, you know, I would allow, um, I would allow clay to, I think it just takes so much more pressure off of clay when you have, uh, a bunch of guys who can go to the basket, well, a bunch of guys. And I'm saying one for, for John, the Camingo, but Steph is getting to the bucket. Draymond, you know, he's, he's able to, to uh you know the dribble handoff the fake handoff and and he can get to the bucket but i just think that you know uh, when clay struggles and and you're starting to see this the way that they're trying to unlock him is they're trying to get him in 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 screens and cutting to the hoop but then he's not the best finisher either so he's missing layups and such so i would just try and get the the up tempo game and have him be like the the safety outlet you know steph and everyone's paying attention to Kaminga cutting and Draymond's got the ball. And all of a sudden it's like, oh yeah, we have to rotate over. And the last guy to rotate over to is Clay in the corner and then boom, wide open jumper. Uh, I think the way that they play right now with everything so stagnant, Clay almost feels like he's got to unlock it if Steph's not there to unlock it. And and there's a lot of pressure there. So that's what I would do. But I, I like your uh, moody uh, situation too, because what Moody does and what Clay doesn't do because he's never had to do it. You've never seen Clay come in and crash an offensive board for a tip dunk. You've never seen Clay fly over because he sees an opportunity to tip a rebound to somebody. This is not the way he's ever played. And Moody does those things. And I think they need it because there are moments where this team is so used to just the process of what the Warriors are and how they've played always. And I'm not sure that the way that they are used to playing is the way that you win in the NBA today. And this was going to be my next question to you, which is 
is the Warriors style of play a little outdated versus what some of these other teams are doing. And I'm not really talking about the offensive action. I'm mostly talking about the matchups and the way that they put their lineups together, because you're starting to see a lot of these teams uh, out warriors, the warriors and the warriors are going back to like a little bit more of a conventional style. Like the death lineup was the thing that like, you know, and the heat playing LeBron and, and D Wade and, and then Bosch at the five, like that was like breaking the NBA. And it's almost like the Warriors are trying to go back to more of a conventional way of playing, probably because they have to, but I don't see these matchups being very favorable for them. Yeah. I don't think their style of play is outdated. I think they're outdated. Mm. <laughs> like, I, I just don't know if they're young and athletic enough to kind of um, like consistently and effectively do that. I think teams are took their recipe and then we're able to find these guys who could play the Iguodala Draymond role, but at like six eleven or like six nine or six ten, like what Chet is. Like I feel like Chet would be an awesome kind of small ball five in that role in, in like a Warriors styled offense. And those guys are just, you know, I think yeah, I I, I just think that it's it's tough when if Clay could lock up at the point of attack. I think it's different. I think this this is I think this is a different story. I don't think we're as bad of a defense, obviously, but I think that this relied on not having two minus defenders in the backcourt, having positional size. Like the Warriors kind of started that. It's Clay six seven at the shooting guard. You know, you have mm-hmm. a pretty average size small forward. You have a, you know, maybe a little smaller four and then like a smaller five, but they can all switch all the like the Warriors like started that stuff and, and made it like, you know, what what is is gonna work in this league and you know i just think that when you when clay's starting to lose it defensively when uh you know i yeah i think it's i think it's gonna be um i don't know i just i i think i'm i'm in the i'm in i'm at the point where i want to throw in the towel on I don't know if it's just clay it, it, for me yeah it it, it is just but you did clay. try and trade the guy last year I tried to trade him last year and at the time I was like, you know, like I I think then he went on a heater. I was wrong about that, but it's still, it just feels like this one's, this one's tougher, but man, I think that, yeah, I, I I think I'm just in, in the camp of not necessarily like, you know, I don't think clay Dre or Curry are going to, obviously not Curry, but clay, I I think these three are going to stay together, but I think that it needs to like, there needs to be major like adjustments to how they format their lineups. I think, mm-hmm. and even then, I don't even know if that's enough. But it, I mean, it just seems so obvious that they need that secondary score. I think the most likely person is Wiggs. And I don't think that's a slight to Wiggs. I was watching him against the Trailblazers, and like you know, I heard, I read on Twitter that he had a bad game. But to open that game, he was kind of getting into a few of his his moves that I was like, ah, this could really be like the secondary score. He has this thing where he sizes up someone on the on the corner or at the wing and then you know they're expecting him to drive so they take one step back and he pulls up and it, and it's cash and when when he's able to you know when he's kind of getting reps and playing a lot and i just feel like that guy you know who was the number two best player in the finals like he's not aging you know he's just been missing time he's just the most unlikely thing in his career has been inconsistency like he's the Mm -hmm. type of anthony edwards who plays 72 out of the 82 games pretty consistently and you know i i just think that's why i'm still not down on him being like washed because he's what 28 or 29 and i still feel like he's capable of doing so many things um 
so I, cause I know they mentioned in plus minus that they're like, ah, like Wiggs didn't even get mentioned as like the potential best second best player or something. And then Slater had to bring it up. I still think it's a very real thing that he can be the second best offensive player in the team. I don't know how much better that makes. Like, I don't know if that changes your contention odds though, if he's able to step up into what he was in, in, in 21, you know, I feel like there are some still some, some stuff that you need to address. And yeah, I mean, like, I think, I think, I think it's, I think a trade needs to happen. I don't know if they're going to do it, but I know I've mentioned I mean, I, like Lowry marketing. They kind of have to, right? But I think it, for me though, I think that the trade that happens is going to be like a collection of role players. Like I would, you know, when they're talking about the Levine, DeRozan stuff, I'm like, oh, we'll probably get like Caruso and Tory Craig. Like that's like the best I feel like we can, you know, get. And not, and not even saying like, you know, DeRozan off the bench, and not that he'd come off the bench, but that would be intriguing. But like, I don't think we we should get Levine. I don't think that's the, I don't think that's the right call. But that's how I feel like, you know, we need the secondary score. And I feel like we're going to get the collection of role players. So. Okay, here, here's the stat that I, I was saving for you. because I, 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 But I was trying to find the actual games in, in which this happened. And I, I haven't been able to find it yet. But on uh, Warriors uh, All-82 or Plus Minus or whatever the, they called today's show, Marcus Thompson said that, uh, Pajemski had played in two games in a row where he had over 30 minutes. And he is a rookie, obviously. Oh, my God. Are you about to say Kaminga's never played back-to-back 30-minute games? Kaminga has never played back-to-back games where he got 30 minutes. That was their Fire stat. Steve. I think you need to fire Steve. I mean, you know what it is, right? Brandon Pajemski, like, he just doesn't seem like he's going to make a mistake. He's confident with his decisions. What about that like, sweeping hook shot that he tries to get, in, get into? Has he made time? one yet? I don't know. I don't think so. I don't think he's I don't, made I don't one know. Yet. You know, he did make a pretty great shot, though. Uh, was it at the end of the first quarter or end of the second quarter where the, he had to step back three? Mm-hmm. That was nice. Mm-hmm. That was he, nice. It, he shoots it so low, though. I just think it's going to get blocked every time. Yeah, that guy needs to play. Like he's, I, he's a plus on the year. I'm pretty sure. I had I had these stats pulled he up. He was he was also a plus yesterday as well. I think he was like yeah. A plus he's he's five. he's actually if I filtered the plus minus stat, our highest plus is a 3.4 and that's Pajemski. But what happens when GP comes back? Everyone gets pushed down again. Yeah. And then he's, you know, I mean, would it put, would you put it past Kerr to push down Kaminga instead? That's what I'm saying though. Like I like to me, you need to utilize the mismatches that Kaminga creates rather than, take him off of the table to help your rotation. Like I think Kaminga, uh, he, he is the, he's maybe the only player uh, not in their normal starting five who actually creates the, the mismatch on the other side. Like, you know, Pajemski, he's a, he's a small guard. So, you know, you, you have tons of small guards to guard him. Moses Moody is a, a little bit more of like a normal two. You know, every everybody in the NBA is has Moses Moody size. But Kaminga, he's big, he's long, and he can jump out of the gym. Uh, you know, you could probably find somebody to lock him up and maybe to intimidate him and, and stop his aggressiveness. But if they try to put like a real four on him in a lineup, they the Warriors could take advantage of that every single time, and so I just think he creates mismatches uh, yeah. that nobody else uh, outside of probably really 
probably Steph and, and Draymond when they move Draymond to a five that you really create any mismatches. Yeah, I think, okay, so I was wrong in the 3.4. That was just a per-game basis. If you filter by the totals, Pajemski's a plus 51 on the year. Chris Paul's a plus 47 on the year. Kaminga's a plus 38. TJD plus 37. Sharich plus 32. GP plus 20. And then Corey Joseph plus 13. <laughs> and then basically everyone else with any substantial minutes is a minus. Wiggins minus 81. Looney Jeez. minus 37. Dre minus 31. Clay minus 29. I think the frustrating thing ab- about this is that like, like we're all we all believe in Clay. Like mm-hmm. I I like even as much crap as I was talking about, like I still believe in the guy. I tried to trade him and he went off. And you know, I'm I'm always gonna be rooting for Clay. I don't think he wants to leave the Bay Area at all. And I don't want him to leave. I think, I think, I just think the frustrating thing is mm-hmm. like, and it's what makes Clay Clay, but his, him not having any willingness to try stuff differently. And, and like, that's, I think, what's frustrating is that you have this, like, the Warriors have kind of been built on this unselfishness in terms of Igadalo being able to come off the bench, being the player he was on the Sixers and the Nuggets. That's a starter. You know, he's able to, he comes off the bench for the Warriors. Uh, Draymond Green comes off the bench in like the playoffs against the Kings. And I, I'm not sure if he came off the bench against the Memphis at all either, but you know, and then in the Celtics series doing the offense defense stuff, like being willing and, 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 you know, saying this is not working. I'm willing to come off the bench. Uh, mm-hmm. Steph coming off the bench against the Nuggets even. And, and, and this guy Clay has never done it one time. And again, that probably is what makes Clay Clay that just, unwavering confidence of being able to score 50 points or 60 points on like no dribbles. Like just like, I understand that, but I I just think that things need to, we need to try stuff. And I think Draymond going to the small ball five in December is terrible, but necessary. And that just shows Mm -hmm. you where the team is at. Yeah. If they, if they were 13 and eight right now, then you don't have to worry about it, but they're, they're 10 and 11. And so you may have to worry about it. Uh, the thing about Clay, as he ages, he's going to have to be that that guy that you're talking about. Somebody who is willing to, you know, maybe be a sixth man in like an instant offense kind Him of guy. Him and CP off the bench, like legit, sounds really good. Mm-hmm. Like, like for everyone involved, <laughs> like just it, having that, that be interesting. Duo. I wonder if they would do it. I wonder if I wonder if Steve Kerr and this has to be more of a psychological thing. Cause you mentioned the Iguodala thing. Iguodala comes over with Mark Jackson and he's, uh, he's no, starting first Steve Courier. No. Oh uh, no, it was the Mark Jackson. It was one less Mark Jackson year. Yeah. And he's starting. And then when Steve Kerr gets it, he immediately asks Iguodala to come off the bench. And I don't think Iguodala is happy to come off the bench, but so it's not like he's unwilling to do that. Right. It's not like Kerr is unwilling to do that for a younger player. He did it for Harrison Barnes, the younger player. It is the personality of the person that he asks, which may be the thing, which is maybe Clay loses a little bit of confidence, whereas Andre was not going to lose confidence in that moment. Or maybe even like you look back at recent examples, you knew they were going to win. Like he was confident that they were going to win. Steph Curry comes up the bench in that first Nuggets game. We all knew that the Nuggets were the worst team in the playoffs without Murray and MPJ. You're confident that you're going to win that game. Draymond coming back from suspension after stepping on Sabonis and then coming uh, off the bench in game four. Like not that you knew you were going to win, but you felt like you had a good chance to win. Like maybe Kerr doesn't even think that like 
if he moves clay to the bench and loses clay and on top of that he doesn't even think that like does that make you feel much more confident about beating like the orlando magic and it's like the answer is no then <laughs> you know that that could be another reason as to why he hasn't specifically done it with clay i don't i don't know you know and and you know i think i've been against even the idea of po- of trading for siakam because he's a non-shooter but again you really just need like that secondary guy who you trust to be able to get his shot off the dribble when Steph is being double team, triple teamed. And in 2021, the 2020 to 21 season, that's literally all we were missing. That's literally all we were like, please clay. Like, I know you're, you know, you're hurt. You're not going to make it back, but we, that's all we needed. Cause Steph was getting triple teamed. Steph was getting double teamed in the full court. And that was insane. Like there was a possession. I think there's a play. Um, Steph's getting full court, double teamed. Draymond passes it into him and Draymond just runs and Steph just passes the Draymond and Draymond just push dribbles all the way into like a wide open layup in like a full court possession where, you know, the game's not even on the line. And, and then if you, if you have clay there, ideally, you know, we probably, we beat the Grizzlies or we're not even in that position to beat the Grizzlies. You know, I mean, we are we're in the playoffs and I just think we're at that position again, where we're f- trying to search for like, oh, if only we had that secondary score, like we feel like we'd be there. And I feel like that's a ridiculous position to be in when you still have the third best player in the league at age. What is he? 36 now or 35. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And it's just, it's just like, you know, we wanted to get rid of the, two timeline era okay we trade Wiseman. okay i guess we don't trade J- kaminga and moody because it feels like they could be some good role players but you draft pajemski you know the the t- two timeline era drafts cam whitmore in that position the 19 year old who you feel like you know is going to develop into a future star and so you take pajemski you take trace jackson davis like a fifth year player at indiana like you're obviously trying to go older and ditch the two timeline plan <laughs> and then it's like you're doing that to like maximize steph you're, you're doing it to maximize 30 and it still feels like you're not maximizing him mm-hmm. because the old guard is not you know maximizing one of the greatest players of all time and i think it's frustrating because obviously i was a proponent of the two timeline thing i was wrong it didn't work but then still this is not even working yeah so i I think the risky thing to do would be to find a way to add that number two score that you're talking about. But in order to do that, they would have to give up somebody. It's and it's an expect- anti-warrior thing. You remember what they were talking about in plus minus? You don't want to be the team that trades Andrew Wiggins, the guy who took a pay cut yeah. to stay here. You don't want to trade CP3, the guy who you just traded to get here. It's like un- it's kind of like bad it's like doing the Isaiah Thomas trading him from like the Celtics like that bad bad business it's bad business and business if you screw over a player and that agent is gonna make sure everyone knows that you know Mm -hmm. you're you're doing dirty business so yeah it's tough Clay um I would never want to see that guy traded and I hope that that never happens but I would not mind seeing uh at least a, a slight demotion or like a minutes uh, thing where Moody does get more playing time and may, maybe they unlock something with him. Cause that dude is playing hard right now. He is playing his butt off as far as mm-hmm. effort and energy. All right. We're, we'll be talking about this all season long. This is not going to be uh, uh this is going to be a whole long storyline for the season. Uh, we'll be back next week uh, to talk about some stuff, but, we don't know who's winning Lakers or Pelicans yet. Do you have uh, a pick for who you think will win this championship on Saturday? 
I picked the Pelicans to win the whole thing before it oh, started. Wow. So I'm going to stick with that. Um, I think they match up well against just about everyone. Um, I think they've had the Lakers number. In, the in Zion the coming out party. Ready to see it. it That's literally it? the exact phrase I used when describing it in my podcast. <laughs> I was like, this might be the Pelicans coming out party. Uh, they, you know, they went to the playoffs in 21. You know, you thought that that could be their coming out party. No, no Zion and BI is able to take those sons who lost to the Mavericks in the next, next round. BI took them to six. I don't know. They just have a lot of fun. You talk about the magic with positional versatility. I think the Pelicans kind of, not that they started the blueprint whatsoever, but they they have they they I think the Pelicans, Thunder, and and Orlando Magic are all kind of following a similar trajectory with how they're team building, with how you know the young the young players and and they're ready to you know make that noise in the regular season. So I, I think that yeah, the Pelicans they just have so many guys, man. Like if we had Herb Jones, we might be the greatest team of all time. <laughs> like I just I, I'm I'm a. What if it's Lakers Pacers? Um. I wouldn't be shocked. I want to see the Pacers run them out of the gym. I want to see the Pacers run them out of the gym too. And I mean, I think the Pacers have played like everything that the Lakers could throw at them, right? Like they just played the Celtics who had the two wings and then they just played the Bucks who have the big and Giannis and then the the little guy and Damian Lillard. Like I think they'd be ready to take on the Lakers. Um but I, I I don't know I I'm gonna stick be with a, the be a big Miles Turner series Miles Turner game, uh, if, yeah because of how long the Lakers are. Uh, I want to see LeBron throw the ball off some guy's foot, knock him down, and then complain about a kickball again. That was rich, LeBron. He knocked Devin Booker on his butt by throwing the ball off of him, and then you complain <laughs> and give up a layup on the other side. Uh, all right, uh, we'll be back next week. Uh, and Brian and I are actually going to go to the Niners game this weekend, so I'll, I'll have some. Uh, well, I'll have some. I'll have a live look when Rod and I do our uh, We Want Winners, which right now is looking like Monday evening because we're not going to be able to do it Sunday night because he's got some plans. So Monday evening, I think, is where it's looking right now for for We Want Winners. All right, so for Brian, I am Double G. We will see you when we see you. Peace out. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. Wilson, you sent the game-winning email at the buzzer, avoiding a 4.55 meeting on everyone's calendar. How did you do it? I got a huge assist from Grammarly, an AI writing partner that helped me make my point. 96% of Grammarly users say that it helps them craft more impactful writing. Would you agree? Grammarly helped adjust my tone to navigate tough work conversations. And it works everywhere I write, so I can quickly communicate effectively. Your teammate used Grammarly to summarize an important document, making a three-pointer. How did he do it? It only took one click. When everyone uses Grammarly, everything just makes sense. You made an incredible slam dunk to end the game. The meeting was canceled, and your team will go home champions. Go to Grammarly.com podcast to download it for free. That's Grammarly.com podcast. Easier said, done.